if you'll let me for just a minute, I got to talk to the ones whose dreams were stolen in the night. I'm sharing this word called take back the night. Literally about three days ago, I went into a room and just began to write. And God said, you're going to preach this. I didn't know that Q, I didn't know that Quana was going to get up and do the spoken word that literally was the introduction to my message. So I don't know if Quana's in here. Is she in here? Quana, are you here? If she's not here, I need to see her. I need Quana. Where's Quana? Where's Quana? Where's Quana? Can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? God's going to use you to touch the world. Because when you got up and began to share up there, and I was watching it in the back room on TV, and I'm going, she's preaching my message. Literally what I wrote this week is so it's like God used us to flow together. And, and Karen and I, we, we went and, and we're not even supposed to really give these away yet. But, but I, said, I said, Karen, we've got to give that to her because... You are, you are truly one of the most powerful speakers. And the way you stopped, you stopped up here and you waited on Holy Spirit to whisper. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 10, 27, what I whisper to you in the dark, you'll proclaim from the rooftops. And God's been doing a lot of whispering to you. And I want to tell you that you have no idea. That was better because I was trying to think of an intro for my sermon. You gave my intro talking about going through the darkness. I'm going to ask you to do it again. I want you to do it again because I want to go right into this sermon. The whole thing. Here you go. Yea, though I walk through the folly of death, I will fear no evil. says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but it never said I wouldn't feel the sharp wind of the blade as the devil was slicing his sword. See, the blade, it didn't kill me, but it petrified me. Frozen in fear, I stood still. Darkness surrounding me, it felt like God had abandoned me. in your ear, building up your confidence. 
are meant to be here and that you do have a purpose. You can't quit, nor can you run. Warriors don't pray for, warriors don't pray for victory. We pray from victory. Put your Bibles up. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And the valley of death doesn't stay dark for long because there is a light inside of all of you all along. The Bible even says if two come together, 10,000 demons will fall. Recognize the authority God gave you and the keys that he handed you. The devil might have a gate, but you walk hand in hand with the Father and he has given you a new life. And that is something, that's something the devil can never take from you. Give my God a praise. Give him a praise. You may be seated. See, I've got to share a message called Take Back the Night. Because see, what you have to understand, if you have your Bibles, you're going to go ahead and open up very quickly to 1 Kings chapter 3. I read it to you a moment ago, but the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be diligent, for you're the, de the devil your adversary seeks to pounce on you. It says in the Passion Translation, the devil roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Can I tell you something? Everybody on stage looks good because when lights are on armor, you can't see the flaws. But bring the lights down. And you'll see that every one of us battles with things. See, I'm going to talk about how the enemy wants your night. I'm here to talk about how your dreams get stolen. See, the Bible says there's a really cool passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 3. Looking at verse 21, I'm going to jump ahead, I'm going to come back, I'm going to jump ahead, I'm going to come back. But I'm going to take you on a journey for a few minutes. My greatest fear for you over the next couple of minutes or concern is that somewhere along the way you're going to think I read your diary. But I didn't, but I know the one that does. Because Malachi says he's writing the story of your life. Many years ago, I said to Pastor Nate when he was a teenager, I said, Nate, the Bible says that God's still writing the chapters of your life. And he would get ready to leave the house. I'd say, don't make God tear out a chapter. Don't make him have to go, oh, I was going to. I want. See, some of you are on the edge in the corner of destiny and circumstances. And the enemy is whispering to you, this is all fake. Can I tell you something? There's a moment where you begin to turn the light back on and realize those shadows. We wrote a chapter in the new book in Restore the Roar called The Shadow That Looms. Really a shadow is just a, a reflection of, 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 of something that could be there but most likely is not. But I want to talk to the ones who somebody came into your bedroom when they weren't supposed to. I want to talk to the ones that you were woke up at 3 a.m. with the sound of glass breaking or the door slamming and somebody saying, I'm out. See, the Bible says in 1 Kings first, chapter 3, verse 21, when I got up in the morning to nurse my son, 
Here was this dead baby. But when I looked at him in the morning light, I saw immediately, that wasn't my baby. Somebody say, Mama knows. Somebody say, Mama knows. I'm going to read it to you one more time. When I got up in the morning to nurse my boy, here was this dead baby. But when I looked at him, I realized that ain't my baby. In fact, what you got to understand is, it's in the dark that your identity can be replaced with a dead imposter. What do you mean, Pat? Nighttime. I've been in every time zone at night. But you know what I figured out? The night is always the same. You have to lean in to see what's out there. Now listen, I, I've had some crazy stuff happen at night. I've had some good stuff happen at night. I've had some bad stuff. Nighttime, for whatever reason, it sticks longer than the day in your psyche. What do you mean? I, I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff happen. I mean, I've had good things happen at night. I, I, I mean... I mean, I mean, my, my, I'll be honest with you, I'll never forget when one night I was dreaming that in my sleep I was fighting a ninja. I was so, I was so cut in that dream. My, my, my boobies were higher. I mean, I'll have to do this no more. I, I didn't have, I had a six pack, not a keg. I mean, and things were happening and and, and I'm fighting this, this ninja. I saw, sorry, Abby. She's from China. And I'm just, it's, it's what we do. And so I'm going, oh, saw, and then all of a sudden I went, boom. And no lie, true story. I wake up getting slapped. Because apparently Karen, my hotness was laying there. And in my sleep I went, boom. And all of a sudden I wake up with somebody going, whoosh. And I went, oh my God, what, what, what? She said, I don't care if you were dreaming. She got that Clint Eastwood crazy look. I don't care if you're dreaming, don't you ever hit me. And I, I rolled over and I fell asleep, sucking my thumb. I may have pee peed, but listen, that's not important. But crazy stuff happens in our family at night. It, it, it reminds me of, uh, of the time I was out of town and Pastor Nate was in junior high and a bunch of boys were spending the night and they were upstairs in Nate's room and Karen was asleep downstairs and they started hearing noises and they thought somebody was out in the garage and they're like, they start scaring each other because junior highs can do that. They're like going, bro, did you hear that? Did you hear it? Somebody going to kill us. It's Freddie. Jason, even worse, it's Chucky. Dear God, I can handle Kruger. Just don't bring that little doll. Now he's coaching the Raiders. But anyway, and all of a sudden, true story, Nate and his friends run into my office and they grab a machete that I got on a missions trip, which I don't know how I got it through security. But anyway, they grab my machete. They run all the way downstairs and Pastor Nate is standing with his friends around our bed. I'm out of town. Karen is sound asleep, and he's standing like this with a knife. It's like a Lifetime movie. And all of a sudden, Karen wakes up and goes, Nate, Nate, what are you doing? He goes, Mom, there's somebody in the garage, and we need you to go kill it. I was so proud of him for being a leader. 
being the man of the house. Or the time Pastor Nate was sound asleep and Abby was real little and he's in high school and Abby walks up to his bed and she just stands there. And Nate wakes up and goes, what are you doing? She goes, I've lost my pandas. And he goes, I don't have your pandas. Go to bed. She went over and sat in his chair. Nate woke up and said, what are you still doing here? I'm looking for my pandas. We have a weird family. But I've had good stuff happen at night. You got to understand, I met Karen at night. I, uh, all right, all right, y'all see that picture? Yeah, look at that thigh hanging from that blade. I had the mullet. You didn't even know how to live if you didn't have a mullet. I'll never forget, we're, I go with my friend to this church to eat. I'm in college down in Florida, and we found out this church feeds people. And I was poor. So I said, I'll go get some Jesus and some chicken. And so I, I go to this church, and I go to this youth ministry, and all of a sudden the youth pastor preached, and I'm in the back, and, and all of a sudden I see, at the end of it, I see this girl standing up there, and I'm like, Oh, yeah. And as I went, true story, as I went walking up there, because I just wanted to meet her because she was so fine. Because that's where you meet people is at God's house. It's called fellowship. And all of a sudden, I go up to meet her, and Karen has this friend. And, I mean, it was like the sun was shining, but then it was like a, a, a an eclipse. Because all of a sudden, her friend, who's she's, she's healthy. And so, so I know, I know. And I go up, and I'm going to meet her, and all of a sudden, I just see this smile from this other girl. Ooh. There's a miracle. I got around her to Karen. Because she just wanted to talk. But see, good stuff is it happened at night. You have to understand, my son was born at night. Little Nady carrying that cardigan. We got Abby in China at night. But I've had some bad things happen at night. What do you mean? I've had some God encounters at night. One night I went to bed and I said, Lord, I want to see you in my sleep. And at one o'clock in the morning, the hotel room filled up with the glory of God and I woke up and I've never been that scared before in my life. And he said, Pat, and I could see the hand, I could see the foot. I was in Arkansas of all places in a hotel. And I said, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I asked you to come. I, I, I always pray before I go to sleep at night. I want to see you in my sleep. And the Lord said to me, Pat, if you give me everything, I'll give you everything. If you, give, if you tell a generation to give me everything, I'll give them everything. And the whole night I stayed up and just worshipped him and danced before him, which is awkward because I'm so white. When I dance, things fly. 
But I've had God encounters at night. But I've had some rough things happen. Like 2007 when I spoke at Spirit West Coast for Pastor Jeremy Johnson. And got on a flight and flew home in the middle of the night on a red eye. And my phone rang that my sister had died in the night from an overdose. Can I preach about the night for a few minutes? See, because what you got to understand is so many times some of you face this when the purpose of the night gets stolen. See, you have to understand what I'm talking about. Psalms 127 says, for God gives rest to his loved ones. He's talking about at night. You're supposed to be resting. But in the midst of the rest, the enemy wants to disrupt you. And some of you have had some things happen at night. I'm going to go to this scripture in just a moment. The place where you're supposed to get peace. The place where you're supposed to lay down and, and, and soak him up. And, and some of you know what it's like to be trying to just go to sleep. But somebody interrupted the night. Something came in to your night and it forced you to live in darkness from that point on. I got to preach about taking back the night. And so you have to understand the Bible talks about a young king by the name of Solomon. And, and he's young, very young when he takes over as king for his dad, David. And David had prayed, God, give him wisdom. But all of a sudden Solomon realizes, man, I don't have the strength to do this. I am just a teenager. I've got to lead all these people. So he goes to prayer. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3, looking at, at, at verse 9, he says, here's what I want, God. Give me a God-listening heart. So number one, he said, I want to be able to hear. Let my heart hear you, Lord, so I can lead people well. Give me discernment. Give me the discerning, the difference between good and evil. So God will give you two things. He'll give you a listening heart where you can hear him whisper, don't get in that car. Don't go to that party. Run from that. Don't date that guy. Don't date that girl. They look good on the outside, but they got devil on the inside. And he'll say, don't do that. So he asked for three things. He said, I want three things. Give me a heart that can hear your voice. He said, and then I want discernment to know what not to mess with. And then he said, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own, God. And God is so cool. Look what he goes on to say in verse 12. All of a sudden, God says to him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what you asked. I'm going to give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never... Uh, never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be in fact he goes on to say because you didn't ask me for money you didn't ask me for gold you didn't ask me for all that I'm going to give all that to you but you're going to be the wisest man that ever lived I mean this is so cool because God says if you just ask I'm going to give it to you and then something happens he gets his king swag on. He's fired up. He's now the king. That made him the ruler, the judge, the final voice. And he walks in to the throne room, sits down, just had a God encounter where God gives him his identity. And now his very first court case would be about identity. Because the Bible says all of a sudden, two prostitutes walk in. One of them's carrying a little baby. And look what happens to let me read the story to you. And the Bible goes on to say, the infant son of this woman died one night when she rolled over on him in his sleep. She gets up in the middle of the night and the Bible says, one prostitute says, she took my son. I was sound asleep, mind you, and put him at her breast. 
and put her dead son at my breast. And when I got up in the morning to nurse my son, here was this dead baby. But when I looked at him in the morning light, I saw immediately that he wasn't my baby. Somebody say, Mama knows. Can I tell you, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute. Because basically this story says there's two prostitutes sleeping in the same house. One gives birth to a child. Three days later, the other prostitute gives birth to a child. In the middle of the night, the prostitute rolls over on her child and smothers it. She gets up, sneaks into the room where the other prostitute is at. And suddenly takes her dead baby and lays it down and grab the, grabs the living baby and says it's mine. There are so many of you in this room that have been replaced at night. So many of you that the enemy came in and replaced you with something dead. And what's amazing is those two prostitutes, because that's all they're known for. They're only known for what culture has made them. And what you got to understand as I move into this for just a minute, can I just speak and come back to this story in a second? But God told me to come and tell you a simple thing. You're not an accident. Can I tell you you're not a mistake? Can I tell you that God planned you? Can I tell you that there's no such thing as an illegitimate child, but I've met some illegitimate parents? Can I tell you, long before your mama had a plus sign that represents the cross on her pregnancy test, God was already positive about you. Can I tell you, you are not somebody that was just, oops, there it is. And can I tell you, there's an all-out attack to take your identity. And I'm reminded of two weeks ago, we flew in from Singapore. We had just saw thousands of lives touched. I was struggling with jet lag. It's early in the morning. At 3 o'clock in the morning, Karen wakes up in the middle of the night, at nighttime, and hears somebody scream, Pat! She jumped up in the bed and looked over, and I was sound asleep. She went back to sleep. A couple hours later, I couldn't sleep, so I got up. And I went upstairs to where I go pray and where I write books. And I'm just kind of shaking off the jet lag because we had just ministered in Singapore, had flown for days. I mean, God had done great stuff, but I was exhausted, but I couldn't sleep. And I'm up there in my, in my prayer room where I go up and hide away and where I write our books where she, she'll go and write. It's our place where we go. And I'm up there, and I'm just having prayer time. I just got worship on. I'm just sitting there talking to God. And on the morning of May 29th, all of a sudden, I heard this cry. I heard a scream as if a woman was under attack. I jumped up because I'm a redneck, and I'm always ready to fight amen it's like I don't even know why I'm fighting it's like I want some of that and so I jumped up I'm running downstairs to grab a gun because I live in Texas and they're everywhere and so I went running through the house I heard this scream I ran into Abby's room Abby was sound asleep I ran into our bedroom Karen was still sound asleep and I went back up to my prayer room I'm like what was that God I've never had this happen because God usually whispers to me he doesn't scream and, and and so all of a sudden I said Lord why did I hear a woman scream what was that and the Lord told me to write this down can I read it to you for a second the Lord spoke to me he said the cry that you heard is that of birth pains the birth pains have begun the water has broken the bride is in labor and he goes on to say to me call forth the midwives to bring the to grab the towels and the and the water the time has come for deliverers to arrive prepare for the sons and daughters to come forth these will be those 
that will usher in the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. Can I tell you something? What he gave me, I got up. I began to weep before the Lord. I ended up writing a message called the ministry of the midwives. But can I take you to a scripture real quick? Because see, some of you don't realize it. You've got a scream coming out of you because God has been trying to raise you up. God is just trying to do something to you. God is trying to stir you up, but you've got normal. And the cry that is coming forth, thank you so much. The cry that is coming forth, I I, I immediately turned in my Bible to Romans chapter 8 verse 19. It says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. God said the cry that you heard was the birth pains of a generation coming forth that God is about to use the sons and daughters and you need you need to know something most of them are pretty messed up most of them don't even know God's going to use them yet and what you have to realize is we're living in a day and age where you don't even realize you are under threat 25 percent of your friends are dead because of abortion 34% of you were raised without a dad. 72% in the inner city. There's been an all-out threat against you. You wonder why it's so intense that nine different states are now saying that you can kill a child when they're born. And this ain't about Democrat or Republican. It ain't about donkey or elephants. It's about lambs. Somebody help me preach for a second. So you have to understand. There's a moment where you begin to realize that the enemy wants to take a generation out. And if Kwana can live in a car with her child till God does a work and rescues her out, don't you give me no excuses. You have to realize who I'm talking to in this room. And if New York can say it's all right to kill a child after they're born, what else is going to happen? There's a threat. Alarms are going off in heaven angels are on assignment they've been coming to your house to make sure no devil comes through the front door but some of you don't realize it the cry I heard is coming out of my belly today when God is saying I'm about to raise up the ones nobody saw coming I'm about to raise up the ones that should have been dead I'm about to raise up the ones where all of a sudden you're standing on a stage like Kwana a few moments ago and the devil says no way and God goes Yahweh what's up You don't even realize it. In Jeremiah 1 verse 5, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalms 139 says, I was knitted together in the dark. You formed my innermost being in the dark, shaping my delicate inside, my intricate outside, and moved them together in my mother's womb. Can I just tell you, don't let the enemy steal your identity. Let me go deeper into the story for just a second. I'm not going to go very long. What you have to understand is, I just got to ask this question. Who in this room, bring the lights up softly. Who in this room has been attacked at night? Raise your hand. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All right, we're going to get to that. That's later. (laughs) Trying to get all ahead of me. This ain't iTunes. The Bible says, 
two prostitutes, two people who culture couldn't even give a name to. Culture called them by their lifestyle. Two women that probably just needed to make a living. And they stumbled into a lifestyle and they were now owned by it. Two women find out they're pregnant. They're living in a house together. I bet it was not much of a house. One gives birth to the child. She takes that baby. She holds that child. This is the first thing that ever gave her real love back. This is the first thing that didn't want her for her body, but needed her for her love. She's laying in bed, and all of a sudden, one day passes, two days passes, three days pass, and in the middle of the night, a shadow comes in the room. Somebody carrying a dead image of what is on her. Somebody carrying a lifeless child that the world had sucked the breath out of. Even though Job 33 verse 4 says the spirit of God made me but the breath of God gives me life. See some of you in this room, you haven't breathed in a long time. You haven't allowed the breath of the Holy Spirit to flow out of your lungs. So you're walking around holding your breath and you're passing out spiritually. The Bible says this woman comes in and she replaces the dead child. And takes the live child. The woman continues to sleep laying there holding a dead child. But in the morning light she goes. This ain't my baby. Somebody stole my baby in the night. I've already read it to you. I already told you the stories. Isn't it amazing that in the midst of, the, in, in the midst of your rest the enemy wants to disrupt your future? So Solomon goes to the throne. I told you what happens in 1 Kings 3, 9. God gives him a listening heart. He asks for a listening heart. He asks for discernment. Then he says, I can't do it alone. Then all of a sudden, God says, you're going to do it. Very next verse in verse 12. Yeah, I've already read this scripture to you. Then all of a sudden, then he goes to the throne. Next thing you know, 1 Kings 3, verse 19, he's sitting on the throne. Two prostitutes. Very first court case. He's just had an encounter with God. He's been restored his identity. He's been told you're going to be great. You're going to be wiser than any man that ever lives. Next thing you know he just received identity he walks to the throne oh you ain't getting this yet he walks to the throne that's why Jesus the heavens open up and said behold the son of God you're not getting this yet when father speaks identity over you you now have the authority to declare identity over the next next thing you know there's two prostitutes standing in front of him one is standing there holding a child and the other one's saying that's my baby she took it in the night Can I tell you, there's, nighttime doesn't mean just outside, but there's, there's a lot of darkness. In fact, you need to realize that there's, there's three different types of darkness, and darkness has many forms. And I'm going to be honest with you as I share this with you, and I'm getting ready to close, but you've got to get a hold of this. What's the three forms of darkness the enemy sends to take you out? Number one, deception. What is deception? 
That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I'm going to tell you, there's a deception coming on a generation. God messed up on you. You weren't born, you were born wrong. All this stuff. Yeah, it's a constant lie. Why don't you just go take your life? You know what I'll do? I'll even put it on YouTube. I'll have cartoons for kids, and then I'll have some little demon face pop up and say, kill yourself. And some of you are living in a form of deception. What do you mean? I love God. You love God. But you're still having an affair with the world. And God says, you don't understand. It doesn't work that way. In fact, I love what it says. Some of you are being deceived by the very lies of the enemy, by the very lies of culture. By the, you've heard something so much you believe it to be true, even though science may not back it. Or whatever is coming against you. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, If we claim that we experience a shared life with, through, uh, with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrifice blood of Jesus God. God's son purges all our sin. That's why 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Can I give you a lot of scripture for a second? Because I am tired of hearing youth messages and speaking at youth conferences where somebody gets up with one little proverb and tells me stories. I need some word because the Bible says it leaves me living and it's living and active. It leaves me naked. It's sharpened to a double-edged sword. That's why when Pastor Nate was preaching this morning, I'm going, Yes! Deception, it's a sign I passed on the way to service this morning. And it's the number one bumper sticker in America. It's a spirit. It's called the coexist spirit. And it's basically all religions are the same. And you know how they do it. They say it like this. We got Islam, you got Buddhism, you got science, Judaism, uh, paganism, Wiccan, Christianity. It's all the same. We're all on the same journey. We're just all going after the same God. Can I tell you that's a lie? There's but one way to heaven, and it's through a cross, and it's through Jesus. But you have to realize the deception in a generation is, no, don't be a hater. I'm not being a hater. I'm being a truther. And there's a reason why these bumper stickers are so popular they don't even realize that they're preaching the gospel. What do you mean? Because according to the Bible, every knee's going to bow, every tongue confess. Well, we only bow at the cross. So you got to realize they don't even realize they're preaching. I love seeing these bumper stickers. I'm like, get it? You preaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch. What do you mean? Because every one of these bumper stickers says you can try Islam, you can try Buddhism, science, Judaism, paganism, Wiccan. But everything, everything is ending at that cross. Every, oh, help me, preach. They don't even realize. Oh, I'm sorry, I've gone too long. Somebody interrupted your night. Maybe it was fear. I know what it's like to get out of bed every day last year when we were getting doctor's reports and we would take the doctor's report and say the devil's a liar. I know what it's like to live in fear, but fear didn't start when Karen got a diagnosis. No, fear started for me at 12 years old sitting on a curb because my mother had just tried to kill herself and I'm sitting on a curb outside of a Kmart because I thought I had been abandoned. This really happened to me. And all of a sudden, this lady comes out and says, little boy, are you okay? And I said, I don't think my family waited around. I come to find out my mom was still there. She's just four foot one, and so I couldn't see her over the clothes racks. But I'll never forget years later as a youth pastor after fasting 21 days, and the Lord took me back to that. He said, that's what a generation feels like. But I've had fear my whole life and nightmares of dying in planes. The problem with that is I fly every week. 
the minute we started writing this book, the opening chapter of this new book is I didn't want to write this book. Because what you write about, you'll fight against. And immediately, the day we started writing, nightmare started. But can I tell you, the devil is a liar. Can I tell you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Can I tell you, what does it say in 2 Timothy? For God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. I don't have time to go through Karen's complete breakdown of what that means. But if you hang this up in your bedroom, the nightmares will stop. We saw two weeks ago a little girl walk up to Karen and said, and looked at her and said, I don't have nightmares anymore because I read this before I go to bed. Can I tell you what the Bible tells us? That perfect love, 1 John 4, 18. I love this verse. It's the passing translation. Love, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. It's Proverbs 14, 30. A sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. Some of you live in such fear. I love what Karen wrote in our new book, Fear is the Thief of Yesterday's Dreams, the Intimidator of Today's Promises, the Decapitator of Headship, the Emasculator of Tomorrow's Warriors, the Cage of God's Eagles, and the Enemy's Greatest Weapon to Hold Us Hostage. And then there's a third type of darkness, but I'm afraid to share it with you because... It's called weariness and depression. I wrote about it in my book, Unqualified. Pastor Glenn did the forward that I spent years secretly battling depression. I would get done preaching to hundreds or thousands, and I would go back to my hotel room and lay down and say, you're the worst. Till one day I got up early one morning in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, the greatest battlefield in American history where 52,000 people lost their lives to prove that the color of a man's skin does not matter. And the Lord said to me, I want you to go dance. I had the darkness. The cloud was there. And I was battling it. It was secretly coming back in. And then all of a sudden, the Lord said, go dance. I said, what? He said, go dance in the middle of Gettysburg. Go dance where others have died. And I went out there on FaceTime. I began to dance before the Lord. I had Karen on FaceTime. And I'm dancing before the Lord. And I'm saying, I'm going to get free of this depression. I'm going to get free. And suddenly it lifted and it's never come back. Because I serve a God that can turn my morning into dancing. I turn to God. I serve a God that can turn my night into, oh, help me preach. I got to preach. You don't even understand. It changed my identity. When you begin to praise through your storm, when you begin to cry out to him, oh, you're not getting this. It's, it's Psalm 63, 6. What does it say? Psalm 63, bring that up for me. Psalm 63, 6, find that. I'll read it to you. Here it is. I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a dad. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight. You know what I've learned when that thing comes in my room, when discouragement tries to come in on me? I learn how to praise all through God's word from Jesus to Simon Peter to Job to David to Paul in 1 Corinthians 8 to Jesus saying, I can't do this. They've all faced those dark seasons, but Somehow along the way, God says, I've got you. Don't you take your own life. Don't you jump off that cliff. Don't you go pull that trigger. God says, I'm going to, I got to wrap up. 
And the Lord told me to come and tell you to take back your night. He said, I was whispering over you, hold on, when they came into your room. I was telling you, it's all right. But Pat, if he's such a good God, why didn't he interrupt my night? Because John 16 says, in this life you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I, I overcame the world. Can I tell you something? He was there. He was weeping over you. He was holding your hand. Whatever you walked through, he was right there. And he was saying, hold on, baby. Got close. It reminds me of, some of you have heard this story, but last year after Karen was diagnosed with cancer, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we got the diagnosis. She was healed. She was speaking to 25,000 women in Brazil and got radically healed on stage. I'm in Charlotte speaking. And God said, I've just, I've just healed Karen. The storm is over. And she came home. We went to the doctor. And all of a sudden, the doctor says, I don't know what's happened, but you're healed. Your blood is made whole. You don't have leukemia anymore. But I was still, we were still both kind of walking in darkness. And we went down to the beach for a few days. We were just weary and exhausted. And all of a sudden, we came in one night into the beach. And no one was really even at the ocean. And, and all of a sudden, I started hearing some singing outside. And I'm like. And all of a sudden, I walk over to the sliding glass door. And there's a group of women out in front of our condo singing this song. And I fell on my knees and I said, Karen, God is kissing you because that's the song we listen to every morning during the war. It's on the other side at night that the light starts shining. Oh, you're not getting this yet. It's on the other side, uh, side of the place that tried to kill you. Somebody give him a shout. That's why Isaiah 60 verse 1. Bring up Isaiah 60 verse 1 for me. It says, arise from your depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you down. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come. And the glory is risen upon you. I got to close. Take back your night. Turn on the light. What do you mean? You know what I've learned? That fear is what makes you go hide. I was told that when my father, who's a drug addict, drug dealer in Detroit, that up until I was five years old, when he would come home, I would hide behind the door because I was scared of him. Because just kind of, if you just did the wrong thing, it was whoosh, whoosh. Anybody face that? But we wrote this in our book, that fear... Bring that quote up for me, if you would, Daniel. That fear, many times, causes us. Out of your hiddenness can come the greatest revelations of God's purpose for your life. What starts as fear and self-preservation can actually become the story that leads your restoration. I got I to wrap this up. In Psalm 16, verse 7. The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more for your whispers in the night. Give me wisdom. Show me what to do next. This is it. God speaks at night. Isaiah 45, he said, I form light and create darkness. 
1 John 1, 5, this in essence is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's no trace of darkness in him. Can I say this to you? It's your night season that the God light in you reduces the enemy to a shadow. Or what had become your reality. And there's just a moment where you walk over and go, God is light. God is light. I'm not going to die here. i got to turn the light on. Whatever's tried to take me out can't have me. I'll just turn it on. Even if the light don't work, I'm going to try to turn it on. Here's what I want to say. Why would you preach this? John chapter 1 verse 4. Life came into being because of him. For life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom. The light that darkness could not diminish. And I'll close with this. The one who made you will protect you. What do you mean? Solomon, um, I want a God heart that hears you. I need discernment because, man, sometimes good looks like bad and bad looks like good. And I just don't know. And I can't do it alone. God says, I'm going to give you all that. He sits on the throne. Two prostitutes. And verse 22 as they're arguing back and forth. Not so, said the other woman. The living one's mine. The dead one's yours. And the first one countered, no, your son's the dead one. Mine's the living one. They went back and forth this way in front of the brand new king. Watch what happens. Because all of a sudden, I love what happens. Verse 24. After that moment, the king said, Bring me a sword. So Solomon's sitting there and he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take little Billy. And we're going to chop him in half. Look at the next verse. Bring that up. He said, cut the living baby in two, give half to one and the other half to the other. And the woman that had stolen the child said, yeah, yeah. Because God can't use a divided heart. Can't use it. God can't use somebody that praises on Sunday and acts like heaven, but lives like hell on Monday. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take your identity, I'm going to divide your heart. Then watch what happens. The one that made the child steps up. And the real mother, the living baby, was overcome with emotion for her son. And she said, oh, no, master, just give the baby. Give the baby to her. Don't kill it. And the other one said, good, if I can't have it, you can't have him. Cut away. And all of a sudden, Solomon goes, give the living baby to the first woman. Nobody's going to kill their child. It was his first decree. It says the whole nation came to see him because they had never seen someone with wisdom. 
Can I tell you this? The one who gives you the identity will be the one that protects you when the enemy tries to divide you. Can I tell you that my God is nocturnal? I love what it says in Psalms 139. It says, is there any place I can go to avoid you, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd, be there. you'd find me in it. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, he even sees me. See, if God is the Father, and if the Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 1, see what great love he's lavished on you, don't you, don't you know your dad's going to scream identity over you? Don't you know John 14 said, I won't leave you as an orphan? See, I know a person who's really special to me. A beautiful little girl that at 15 days old was left in a park. Because in her country, it was illegal for her to be alive. Left in a park till a policeman tripped over. And the only thing she had on her was a calendar that said January the 10th. This little child was picked up. Carried to an orphanage down the street. And put at the doorstep. Left in the night. Between 1 and 5 a.m. Could have froze to death. The next morning, the orphanage director went to the door. And there she was. But what that orphanage director didn't know, that there was a family living in North Carolina that had prayed for another child and prayed and prayed 10 years of darkness. And 10 years later, or excuse me, 10 months later, a mommy and a daddy and a little brother got on a plane and flew all the way to Asia. And late one night, didn't matter where she was left. Didn't matter that she got abandoned at the night. Late one night, our family walked up these stairs. And late one night, I was so scared. Well, she loved me. And as we walked down this hallway, I was about to meet my daughter for the very first time. And as I walked past the room, she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, I saw her. This is Karen meeting Abby for the very first time one night in October 2003. This is Abby meeting her little brother, Nate. And as I took her in my arms, she didn't worry about the first 10 months because she looked at me and she said, Baba. Baba, Baba. So what I'm trying to say to you, even though you had something happen to you in the middle of the night, even though somebody tried to drop you off in the middle of the night, even though you got lost in the middle of the night, your father is going to come and rescue in your night season. And he's going to pick you up 
and say, come on back to me. He's going to say, no matter what you've been through, come on back to me. Get up on your feet. He's going to say, I'll interrupt your night with light, and I'll give you a family. I'll give you. By the way, she's 16, and we're going to be celebrating her wedding in 40 years. Why did I preach this? She gave me permission to show that video. I just took you into our family. You want to wonder why Pastor Nate has a heart for generation? Because at 11 years old, he experienced that. And you can't rescue without taking on a rescuing spirit. But people say all the time, oh, it's so neat that you went and got Abby. And I said, no, Abby came and got us. And just as Solomon, with the wisdom of the Father, had the ability to prove who the identity is, God has the ability to call dead and alive. God has the ability to say, as our parent, you're the one. You're the one. You're not that dead child. You're not what the world tried to replace you with. You're not what others tried to call you. You're not what somebody spoke about you in third, fifth, sixth, and twelfth grade. No, you're what I call alive. I'm going to raise you up. And when I turn my light on, when I turn my light on, I'm going to give your night back to you. And God told me to come and tell this room, no matter what you've been through, he was whispering, this With every eye shut across this room. Pastor Nate. There's world changers in this room. I'm so mad at the enemy. Because you don't like you. You don't like the mirror. But God goes, but I made you. I made you. You're not ugly, you're not fat, you're not too tall, you're not this, you're not that. He said, I made you. And over the next few minutes, forgive me, man, I feel his presence. God says, I made you. And see, what you may not know about my Abby is she don't have my blood, but she got my heart. Two weeks ago, I watched her speak at our youth conference and just wreck people because she talked about the time she went through a dark season. She was preaching a whole different message, and she said, I, God rescued me. With your eyes shut across this place, eyes tightly shut, bring the house lights up. Eyes tightly shut, bring the house lights up much as you can without messing up video can I tell you something the light of God is about to shine on your life and break off of what tried to kill you and God is standing over you saying you're not dead you're alive you're not dead you're alive I'm going to use you I'm going to raise don't clap right now no it's okay don't clap because God's moving 
Lift your hands. Hear him calling out to you. I've been waiting for you to turn the light on in your life. In just a moment, when you start walking down here, depression, fear, and deception's going to fall off you. So with your hands raised, say, God. Everybody, come on, everybody, everybody. Even, even the one that's been talking trash all day, everybody, raise your hand. Say, God. Give me a heart that hears. He just whispered, I love you. Raise your hands a little bit higher. Say, God, help me know what's right and wrong. This is new for me, God. Breathe into my conscious spirit right now. Some of you are not going to be able to do what you used to do. You're not going to be able to talk trash. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to, be able to do all this stuff. And you're like, why can't I do it? It's going to make you feel like you're going to get sick if you do it. It's called God restoring your heart. Get the enemy divided. He's doing open heart surgery. Hands raised, hands raised. Say, God. Do what you guys say what Solomon said. Say, God, I can't do it alone. Restore my identity. No music, no music. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, he's about to break out in this room. I hear it in the back corner. Somebody's remembering when somebody came in your room and took your identity. All over this room, people are beginning to experience moments that the enemies tried to kill you. But God was there, and you didn't even realize it. Some of you are remembering moments you should have died. Some of you are remembering moments you want to take your life. And God says, if you'll let me today, I'll do what I did for Pat in the middle of a battlefield when I made him dance like a fool with tour buses all around him as he praised me and broke depression off. God is saying in this room, there will be no more suicide. There will be no more cutting. God is saying in this room, I'm going to break every doubt off of your mind. I'm going to break every fear. Hands raised! Here he comes! Now, if you're desperate for God, because the Bible says he's close to brokenhearted, and some of you haven't even completely accepted him yet. So if you haven't, say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. Say, God, I'm sorry. I give you my heart. Say it out loud. God, I'm sorry. I give you my heart. Yeah, yeah. Who else will do that? There's more people in this room. And there's people in this room that literally, literally, right now, Holy Spirit's about to move. And when that key hits for the very first time, Holy Spirit is going to move. And you're going to come running down here. But when you walk past the front chair or the fifth chair from back, wherever it might be, you're going to step right into a pile of love. And he's going to surround you. And you're going to begin. Somebody say it out loud. I am not a mistake. I want to live and not die i'm not what the enemy tried to make me god declare my identity as i walk down restore my heart restore my joy here i am god play go ahead and begin to play and all over this room if you want God from the front to the back come running down here because as you fall on your knees you're going to begin to feel his love you're going to feel the times come on cry out to him you're going to begin to feel his power you're going to begin to feel I realize you're not a mistake God's about to turn your morning 
into dancing. Everybody in the house, come down. Thank you.